Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. Before we get started with today's guest, I want to take just a few minutes to remind everybody that PSYCOP is AASHTO's Winter Maintenance Technical Service Program, and we get our financial support from the voluntary contributions made by state DOTs specifically for this program. Without that support, programs like this podcast would not be possible. To see if your state is a PSYCOP state, this year, head over to our website, transportation.psychop.org, and you can find out the most current contribution information. And when we mention winter maintenance, we immediately think about snow and ice for sure, but there are all kinds of weather events that create problems for motorists and our maintenance forces. During a weather event, there's three principal players in the transportation equation. The maintenance forces, of course, but there's also the network operators, those folks in the transportation management centers running the ITS and signal systems and such. And then there's the motorists trying to get from one place to another. It's safe to say that the actions of any one of those players will have an impact on the other two. And in particular, there are those things that maintenance can do to help out with the network operators, and there's things that the network operators can do to help out with maintenance. Now, to find out more about that, we're going to spend the next half hour visiting with Steve Cook from the Michigan DOT. Hi, Steve. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm doing great. great. Um, in, in addition to your day job at, at the Michigan DOT, you also have a leadership role in AASHTO's Committee on Maintenance and the Committee on Transportation System Operations. And I think that, that dual perspective is a great place to be able to, to talk about those things that uh, you know, where, where maintenance and, and the operations folks can, can sort of play off each other and, and do some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I would agree with that, Rick. Um, I think there's there's kind of four key components where weather pay, plays a, a major role, uh, both on the maintenance side, the operations side. Um, and one area we kind of forget about is the environmental side. So um, I see this as kind of a four-legged stool, so to speak. You know, um, when you look at um, weather responsive management strategies and road weather management, you really got to start thinking about how does this fit into the future and the new generation of connected automated vehicles, especially when you look at um, automated driving systems. So when you look at safety features um, on those vehicles and safety on the road, of course, that's paramount. Number one is safety. Um, We have to look at travel reliability. Um, you know, people expect to get there at a certain time. Um, we have to provide a level of service that allows them to get there safely and with reliability. Um, so those are two big components of, in fact, the mission statement and the vision for the uh, community on practice for road management actually states that travel is safe um, and safety and reliability are paramount. But also adding to that, um, I always like to make sure we don't forget about the environment. Right. We get a lot of questions in Michigan from our constituents, um, uh, the public, and our legislators about how we're managing materials better, especially salt, because we're surrounded by the Great Lakes, we're surrounded by water, and everybody's concerned about where this all ends up eventually. So we have uh, a duty and a responsibility uh, to make sure we're vigilant in terms of where this stuff ends up. But that gets into all the best practices and managing uh, salt and materials, uh, calibration, all the things that we're doing to make sure that happens um, on the back end. Um, so we always got to be vigilant about the environment. The last piece of that that I always like to talk about is what we're doing in the um, operations of the Committee on Transportation System Operations. Mm-hmm. So there's five working groups in there. 
Yeah, now this was just, Ashton just recently reorganized, uh, and, and that reorganization was part of, or this committee was part of that reorganization, right? That is correct. You used to be the, the, the TISMO, the Transportation System Management and Operation, it was correct. a subcommittee, right? Correct. So that's a very good point. So they actually retooled it completely as far as organization. Um, we have the same working groups we had before. Um, the Traffic Incident Management Working Group, the Operations Strategies Working Group. We had the ITS Working Group. Uh, but what we did is we rolled in the, into it the Special Committee on Communication, and we also rolled in the Committee on Freight. So now we've added those two uh, committees into this uh, committee and um, created this uh, Committee of Practice on Road Weather Management. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you mentioned that a little earlier uh, and this this uh, uh, community of practice is kind of a new concept for Ashto, right? Correct. It is a, it is a new concept, um, but what they're trying to do is make sure we don't forget about weather. Uh, weather becomes very important in terms of how we manage freight, um, getting real-time information, the data collection systems, the strategies, and everything in those working groups that we're doing in ITS and connected automated vehicles. Uh, weather needs to surround those working groups so that they're vigilant about remembering to ensure that weather is built right. into their strategies. So I thought it was a very good idea on Ashto's part to make sure that this piece on weather, and of course the Federal Highway Administration agreed with that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so this this community of practice slices across all of those individual silos, if you will, that are that are within that committee. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, so uh, one of the roles and responsibilities that I have now as the chair for the community on practice is to make sure that I'm generating ideas and solutions that we can bring to those working groups so that they are, you know, baking into their uh, strategies those concepts of how weather will impact um, what they do going forward. Uh, an, an example of that would be just that, the automated driving systems. I mean, if you're going down the road in a level five or level four vehicle, because there's, what, zero through five Right, levels. depending on the levels of automation, yeah. right? I mean, the Tesla vehicles and those are starting to do that now. If you're going down an automated vehicle and the weather's changing, how does it impact the automated systems on board? How does that communicate yeah. with the environment? And what is it communicating with? Where, it's getting, where is it getting information from? Is it just the Natural Weather Service? Or is it from Arwa stations or something else? So there's a lot of work going forward in terms of how we make sure that all these different entities, including the private sector, i.e. Uh, the OEMs included, um, understand that uh, what weather has in terms of the strategies that they have and the, and the techniques that they have and technologies they have built into those systems. You know, and, and, and one of the things I think that, that is really outstanding with respect to this community of practice on the, on the CTSO side is that you're also a steering committee member for us uh, on, for SICOP, representing that community uh, on, on SICOP on, on the, on the uh, maintenance side. So I think you really are, are positioned in the, in the center of this, this weather universe yes. between operations and maintenance. Yes. So somehow I've inherited this weather responsibility by default, I think, because I got involved years ago with Paul Pizzano and Gabe Guevara and Romarel Flora on these on the integrating mobile observation with Nevada DOT and Minnesota DOT, which I really enjoyed doing. I learned a lot from both those states, um, and I hope we all learn from each other. But it was a lot of fun going down 
you know, the path of trying to automate systems and collecting weather data from the, you know, the vehicles going down the road, using those as weather, mobile weather stations. So yeah. that was a lot of fun. But yes, and, and that just snowballed into where I'm at now. So you it was see, by default. So you see what happens when you raise your hand? <laughs> yes, I know. So there you go. I need a vice chair in my community practice, by the way, folks. <laughs> raise your hand. So 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 what what is the community practice working on? What what's what's on your agenda? Well, so yeah, we um we are working on a survey. In fact, Rick and I are working on a survey with the National Operations Center of Excellence. Um, we would like to get that survey out in the next week or two, try to get that out to the um, community of practice folks that have volunteered to be part of that committee, get it out to the other AASHTO committees, including the operations committee, or the I should say the transportation system operations committee, uh, the committee on maintenance, and any of their committees that we can think of and those folks that would be um, part of that, you know, that should be part of that survey. Get that survey out, get these questions answered, see what we can do to you know, compile the, the, the answers from everyone. And then what we like to do is have a, um, a peer-to-peer workshop on um, everything weather. So we call this, um, I have to thank Rick Nelson for this. Rick, thank you. So we coined this the TSM Model 365. So it's everything weather in the transportation systems management operations world. So um, it's been a lot of fun um, trying to uh, figure the things out for this uh, survey. Um, we went kind of back and forth right now, but we're still getting comments on it. Um, but this is going to be a tool that we use to go forward to help us um, generate and develop an agenda and decide what kind of questions going forward we need to ask at this, this peer-to-peer workshop. So we're hoping sometime in June of this year to have this peer-to-peer. We'd like to have it separate from the um, annual AASHTO meeting that we have for TSO. Uh, because those agendas are very tight, um, they're right. jam-packed with things to do. The working groups break out; um, they have very little time to get through a lot of the agenda that they have. So we'd like to have that separate from. And the other thing we don't want to do is distract from the normal annual meeting because yeah. we could be we could have twenty or thirty people off in another room, not even engaged in the you know what we're trying to right. do there. So and, and you know, um, there's a lot of advantage to having having a separate event. You know, on with respect to a peer exchange. You know, we. Uh, um, we just pushed a, a podcast out not all that long ago where we visited with um, uh, an individual at Wyoming who's, who's working on her, her master's, mm. and it was all about um, analytical decision-making. And one of the things came up was, was this discussion about peer exchanges and, and you know the value in being able to get together with your peers sort of sequestered where you can just devote time to thinking about mm. You know what's in front of you without all of these other things. You know, pounding on you. Uh, it get, sort of gets the creative juices flowing and 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 that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're. I think that's going to be a really good uh, a really good event, and and hopefully it will be able to to highlight a lot of things that are are being done in the maintenance world that might not have moved into the operations world just yet. You know, you, you mentioned the, the IMO project and, and some things that were being done on the maintenance side of the house. Um, you know, I, I look at my my past life, you know, here at the Nevada DOT, and, and you know, we were doing things with variable speed limits and active warning systems and, and things like that before we even had a, you know, a, a TISMO uh, operation or a transportation management center. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of history out there with some of these applications 
um, that can help you in in these weather events keep things moving and reliable and and resilient. Yeah, yeah, and I think where I'd like to push this a little bit further, um, especially at this peer to peer, start looking at what other states are doing with data. Um, so a lot of folks, um, you know, like um, Iowa and Minnesota and Minnesota or um, uh, um, Nevada. Um, there's other states out there, but those are the ones that come to mind immediately. Us, Michigan, are using a lot of weather data um, to look at analytics and metrics, performance metrics, to see how you're performing, to see if there's things you could do better. Um, the other thing I'd like to see and try to push is to see how we can use the data more real-time to get into the operation centers so that we can disseminate information more quickly out to the motoring public. Um, so I think those are kind of two areas that I would really like to look at because I think we've matured far enough with some of the data sets that we have mm-hmm. as a maintenance group to be able to see how that can impact operations. So there's a nice marriage between maintenance and operations. And I, and I happen to be the, the engineer of um, operations and maintenance at MDOT. So I've seen that over the last eight years of how we've, and I often wondered why we did that back in 2000. 10, we reorganized into this, you know, we merged maintenance and operations together. And I really didn't understand at the time. Yeah. And my role and responsibility going into the job was to figure it out. Yeah. So it, now I, I kind of understand yeah. you'll go first circle here and come, you know, today I'm sitting here talking to you, Rick. And, and it was a I, brilliant decision. It, it was right? a great decision on our management at the time. It really was. Um, and we don't want to separate that. In fact, we have kind of restructured again. Uh, we just recently took what was under me, our whole signals area. Um, and our uh, statewide transportation operations center, and we've moved that into our ITS group. So they are right connected closely mm-hmm. under the same group of folks that are in the ITS area. We used to have them separate off another branch of my my specific area in operations, but now we've actually you know just pushed them and integrated them right into with the ITS folks. Well, there's so much there's so much interaction that takes place. You know, and like like I said when we first got started, you know, there's things that operations can do that that can either help or hurt what's happening with respect to maintenance and vice versa um, on, on the other end. And, and to have those folks together and communicating and coordinating and in, in, in that kind of an environment, I think, translates to much better mobility yes, uh, yes. You know, out on the road. And, and weather's just one piece of it. I mean, the only thing is we don't want to do, we don't want to forget about that weather's there, but weather is one piece of the whole thing of all these this big picture idea, what's going on in an operations center. And it's also interesting that recently we just uh, we have a group that's looking at a USDOT document on road weather management strategies. It's called Karma. It's on adaptive driving systems. Um, so the USDOT is generating this document right now. It's just a concept of operations that we're working on, and it has four use cases in it. But it's mm-hmm. very specific to weather. And Rick, you mentioned variable speed limits. That is one of the use cases to look at how speed limits and signals might change in the future as a result of the connected automated vehicles. Mm-hmm. Saying that, I think we're a long way from making that happen because I think we still have a, a, a lot to do in central softwares for signals um, yeah. across the nation. A lot of states are starting to go there. It's kind of a slow domino effect. In fact, in Michigan, we have about 3,200 signals that we own and operate. Unfortunately, about half of them are owned and op- are, we own them, but they're operated by local agencies. So some of the local agencies have their own system. So, so, so how do we take the central software that we yeah. just purchased? We can roll it out on the first 500 signals, 
and make that work over the next two years. But how do we do that when you already have systems out there and then integrated into their systems? You know, there's system compatibility that you have to deal yeah. with too. So, I mean, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but a lot of this, again, I have to go back and, and reset the, the bar here. This is, it, it, a lot of this is generated because of weather, because weather has a big impact on people moving goods and services through the system, and signals are a big part of that. Yeah. They can well, be a, a roadblock. And, and that's the whole TISMO 365 concept, right, is you can operate the system on bluebird days, and, 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 you, and it can operate just fine. But when a weather event happens and it starts mucking things up, your, 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 your TISMO activities need to be able to adapt and to adjust uh, to take that into account. People aren't moving as fast as they normally do. Uh, headways get longer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so. I, I completely agree with that, Rick. And, and one of the things that is hard to – this is where we need the really young minds, not old guys like me, but we need the young minds to really think about this. <laughs> and here's one that came to my old mind a while back. So in Michigan, in fact, I was sitting on the phone talking with someone when this happened. We had um, temperatures of the first week in February that were – Record-breaking temperatures, and I know Steve Lenup in Minnesota was was suffering through it with yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, literally, the the high that day I think was like fifteen minus fifteen degrees, and it just stuck for like two or three days. And you know, pipes were breaking, and people are having problems. But they shut down the schools, they shut down the state of Michigan for two days because of these extreme cold weather. They just shut it down. We didn't even go to work for two days. So I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking after I'm having this conversation with this person going, and I got off the phone. I go, you know what? Because somehow we got into automated vehicles. I go, I'll bet you batteries going down the road would have a problem with that. When that weather gets that cold, batteries and automated systems would have a problem. So you get people that could get stranded. If we don't think about, you know, these new electric vehicles that are all operated by batteries, you know, what impact would a minus or minus 20 degree day have on somebody going out down the road and all of a sudden the vehicle just stops because of some system failure because it's just so cold? I know they're testing yeah. those environments, but the reality, when things get out in commercial use, it's a completely different use case and things happen that you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So weather, again, going back to that baseline that we keep talking about, it's always there and it always will be. It yep. affects everything that we do. And the weather's not always perfect. It's not perfect. It certainly is not. It's not predictable either. So <laughs> no. I wanted the weather to be yesterday, better yesterday when we were out skiing on Mount Rose, but it just did not cooperate. It did not so cooperate. So we had to leave early. <laughs> yeah. So when – Let's switch gears here a little bit, and let's look at things from a maintenance perspective. Uh, your uh, liaison to the Committee on Maintenance for, for TISMO, and how does, how does maintenance fit into this, this game plan with the, with the community of practice and Okay, CTSO? well, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so, you know, the, the one specific area that I can think of is the um, operation um, technical working group that we have on the uh, committee on maintenance. I, I, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a blessing, and it's and I'm fortunate enough to be able to say that uh, I was selected as years ago as the as the vice chair for the bridge technical working group. So everybody says, "What the heck are you talking about? What <laughs> you're talking about? Well, how, where does right? that where that even come from?" Well. I spent 20 years of my career as a bridge engineer, and um, that explains just, yeah. A lot. In my first 20 years of my career, I started out here in Caltrans, 
uh, for my first two years um, after I graduated from Michigan State, and then I ended up back up Michigan to the DOT. Um, and spent 20 years, my first 20 years were in bridge, it was bridge design, bridge construction, bridge operations, um, bridge maintenance, it was everything bridges. And and then just one day, I, my head popped up out of the water, I ended up in maintenance and operations for various reasons, it's just how my careers change. And um, when I got on the, back in 2011, when I started the um, Committee on Maintenance, um, they had they had found out that I had all this experience in, in bridges, and they asked me. Jeff mm-hmm. Milton had an opening, and because he's the chair, right. they had of uh, the two vice chairs. They needed a so here I am. I'm the vice chair of the bridge technical working group. Now, saying that, I do give a lot of other, I, and I am very engaged in the other um, uh, technical working groups, especially the operations one, because they talk about um, all the things right. going on in terms of weather and weather has a big impact on the strategies that they have in that committee. For example, the best practices that they try to disseminate. They had a peer-to-peer working group back about five years ago Mm -hmm. um, to look at the kinds of things that they could do to help that committee, just like we're trying to do with the community of practice. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a big part of it because there's another committee called the uh, Committee on... uh, technical working group on on equipment so you know they look at um better um uh, systems such as um um salt uh, salt usage and um um, yeah they look at all all the equipment in general the uh, spreaders spreaders, uh, thank you the spreaders in in uh, addition to mowers and all kinds of other things all those things so and and what's interesting about it when you start looking at equipment, this stuff is it's starting to get contagious in terms of all the, all the AVL things that we're doing. Yeah, so yeah. AVL becomes a big tool for again getting back to those metrics that we're talking performance metrics because we're using them on our spray trucks now, our summer spray trucks. So we've got about thirty that are instrumented with AVL, and that only happened because of the snowplow trucks being instrumented. Though yeah. that became a use case for us to see how well it worked. And then, of course, it spreads. Into well, and, and when it comes to getting that data, your your own fleets that are out there become an excellent platform for, for bringing that road condition data and performance data back into the system. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a as you point out, Rick, there's a very specific tie and an obvious connection to what SICOP is trying to do, to what the Committee on Maintenance is trying to do, to what the Committee on TSO is trying to do. And, of course, that ties into all those uh, pooled fund studies like Clear Roads and Aurora and and the Maintenance Decision Supports. Um, all those things all kind of tie together, um, and they all try to work together in a, in a cooperative environment. And of course, that helps us as a community of practice yeah. to be able to be, like myself, to be a liaison to bring that all together well, and like I said, there's so much that's going on in the different groups. I mean, you, you, you physically, it's difficult to, to be able to be everywhere at one time. And, and I think that's where the value of having you on, on the PSYCOP steering committee is, you know, a couple of times a year we get together and, and we just sit around and say, hey, what is everybody doing? What have you heard? What's happening? Uh, you know, you don't get that opportunity to, to just, you know, sort of dive into what everybody's working on and and uh, realize that there's a lot of other stuff going right. on around you, you know. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that, you know, that kind of sums it up as far as my liaison role and responsibility and things we're doing in those on those various committees. Um, well, I think it's really exciting that that we have this 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 community of practice 
um, for road weather management because it, it really isn't, even though it's like associated with the, the, uh, the CTSO committee, it really, it, it, and, it, and it cuts across, you know, those subcommittees or those technical working groups within the CTSO group. But it really does cut across a lot of the group, you know, the, the areas that are happening with the Committee on Maintenance, with PSYCOP. I think there's, you know, just a tremendous amount of opportunity to, to collaborate across that whole road weather platform out there. Um, so I think it's really an exciting time. I, I think you're in a, yeah. a great position to apply some vision and some leadership to that and, and uh, move that forward. And, and PSYCOP is certainly there to to help carry that message and, and move those things uh, forward with you. Yeah, it, it is. It really is an exciting time for, uh, you know, for weather because I think all the things, the way things are changing um, and the reorganization that we've just done with the TSO committee, uh, you know, and the committee on maintenance, they have a big eye on weather as well, and they always want to know what's going on in PSYCOP and the relationship that is there between PSYCOP and the committee on maintenance. Um I think there's a lot of opportunity to make sure we have a voice in the next, you know, phase of transportation and how transportation is changing in terms of operations, performance measures and metrics and automation. I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of work to be done in the future and we got to just make sure we're vigilant in terms of our strategies and the processes we use to to be able to integrate with those those folks um, to make sure weather's part of everything that they do and we are truly a ts mno 365 yep and and so i guess the thing to say is stay tuned stay tuned exciting things are coming (laughs) quick yes you know one of the things one of the things that i i thought was really interesting was you all have done a truck parking project in michigan and um you know I've, i've seen some some different um presentations on that and, and i think that's just an excellent example of one of those road weather management strategies that you know you don't necessarily need it you know on the bluebird days but when the weather event happens um truck parking becomes a, a huge issue you know for everybody i mean the trucks can't get through and and so on and and um uh, how did you all get started with that so we had a federal grant um that we applied for and got awarded um, back in 2012-ish, um, and we did a corridor between where um, the Indiana-Michigan border is on I-94 that came up through Kalamazoo to about uh, I-69. Uh, what was that stretch? I think it was about a 100-mile stretch. We, mm-hmm. uh, we used four of our own rest areas with dynamic message signs in them that told you how many available spaces there were. Um, so, and then we partnered with, uh, nine of our private truck stops along that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a big undertaking to be able to private, to be able to partner with a pr- private companies and let folks know how many parking availability there is in their truck, uh, yeah. rest area. There was some, you had to do some, some, something interesting though about, because you didn't want to get crossways with the with the uh, private folks about whether there was parking in one place or another or something. Didn't you have to work something out that way? Correct. Because a lot, So what we did is uh, we had cameras that could see in their parking lot. And a lot of times, of course, during snow cover and things like that, you couldn't tell how many spaces were available. Mm-hmm. So there's issues there that you have to deal with. Um, so we always had to let folks. So we couldn't tell them that there was no availability. That was oh, one see. thing we could not message. Because then that would 
decipher, you know, it would it would uh, dissuade dis- people from. Pers- yeah, yeah, people would not pull in because there's other services that they have, like showers and food and other mm-hmm. things that they want to use. So um, our messaging had to be very careful in terms of you know not saying no parking available. Like at our you know public rest areas, we could say that. So we'd always say that. I can't remember the exact wording that we had. I kind of forgot it um, recently. But uh, there was some language that we had on the sign that would tell them um, that um, there was limited space available or uh-huh. something like that. It was some language like that. So we had to be careful. But, um, but that no, that worked very well because it also allowed the truck drivers to have. We also uh, piloted with uh, a private truck um, company on messaging in the cab so they knew how many, you know, like using DSRC, Uh so they could almost real-time see how many spaces were available. But the big part of that is the kind of things that we deal with in a a rest area where they just, you know, in the middle of the night, they've got to find a place to pull over because their hours are up and they've got to stop now. So they start queuing out on the the ramps and that Mm -hmm. becomes a, you know, a safety issue. So that's something we wanted to prevent as well. And then we got a Tiger Grant um, in the last year or so, so we are expanding that system because it went so well. Other states are using ours as a, you know, as a um, as, as as a demonstration of how truck parking should be done in terms of communication and disseminating that information. So and, that, and, it went very well. Yeah, and, and that's I mean that's just an, an excellent example of those kinds of network strategies, those TISMO strategies that really play into this road weather management Correct. business. Yes, I agree. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, there's just things like that that, you know, sometimes we forget about that truck parking is a very important piece of yeah. our transportation. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 uh, more, it's more than just ITS and variable message signs and signals. There's a lot of these applications, I think, that are going to start popping up, you know, to deal with network operations in, during weather right. events and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's really exciting. Yeah. Steve, thanks for taking time out of your day to visit with uh, visit with us here on Psychop Talks Winter Ops. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. No, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I actually, folks, I'm out here on vacation with my family on a, on a ski trip, and Rick decided he would come up to Reno here, and we would sit down and chat. And I told him our day off is Wednesday, so here we are. Yeah, you, know, you never, you can never get away. <laughs> you can never get away. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing this, and I, I really appreciate you getting with me, Rick. But I, again, I, I appreciate all the work you're doing on the side too to help the community practice on road weather management. And I, you know, everybody. Um, is trying to get more involved in that. We're getting a lot of help from the um, National Operations Center of Excellence. So, um, again, stay tuned for the To Come and To Be peer-to-peer workshop sometime in June. It'll be sponsored by the Operations Center of Excellence. Um, Rick and I will be a big part of that, and we hope to um, eventually expand our growth in the community of practice in terms of volunteer members. So don't be afraid to reach out uh, to myself um, if you'd like to be a volunteer member. And I am still looking for a vice chair. So I'm looking for a hand to be raised. Hand to be raised. Well, Well, Steve, we're going to put your email address there in the show notes uh, so people can get in touch with you. And uh, again, thanks for being on PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. And thanks for listening to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Until next time, be safe.